1: There was a. Uh, I, have I told you the story that happened at my friend's school? She's a teacher. Uh, no. What? Not an. Not an F word story. Okay. So she's a teacher at a school. Her son goes to the school too. Is is in like preschool, but she teaches like first grade or something like that. I don't, I'm not even sure. That's I'm a bad friend. Yeah. So. okay. They're like outside during playtime, and kids are like you know running around doing their thing. And one kid is in like a little toy car and the teacher walks in front of the little kid. And oh god, s- yeah. He screamed he screamed like, Get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> this kid was oblivious. Like he had no idea that he was saying something foul. And like the teacher just like wheeled on him was like, What did you say? <clears throat> and they had to like tell his mom. And she totally just copped to it. She's like, oh my gosh, I say that going to work every single day. Like dropping him yeah. off to school
0: every day. Uh, that's at least good on the parent because, you know, a lesser person would have just flipped on their kid. Well, I was by the, I was like, don't you blame the spouse?
1: Like I feel like the defa- default is to be like, "Really?" Oh, yeah. I, I really got to get
0: Tim in line I with would, his language. I would totally throw the posette under the bus. <laughs> I am mean, like, yeah, she yells all the time. Actually... Um, my daughter on the way to school always asked why we let someone in. And I'm like, because that's the rule, sweetie. You let in one car, but only one car. <laughs> I said, it works like a zipper. <laughs> From each lane, you, you know, you take turns. So you let in a car, someone lets you in, and then it all work cool. Don't let in more than one, don't let in less than one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you so it's your. It's like if you think you're being nice, but you're not. If you let in two or three cars, you're being mean to the people behind you. <laughs> it's true. So, <sighs> traffic life. Oh god, yeah. Taking kids to school. It's, uh, that's that's my existence right now. Just just parenting. It's a good existence. It kind of is, but let me tell you. After Easter, I'm sick of parenting. Easter sucks. <laughs> that is like the that is the worst parenting holiday. Uh, why is that? Well, like Christmas is kind of awesome. You know, there's just stuff going on, and you enjoy it too. Yeah, it's like, a fun holiday. Uh, yeah, almost everything going on is good. Or a holiday so insignificant you can just blow past it. And the kid doesn't know. Or like it's just kind of low key, like Memorial Day, July fourth, those things are great because you just stay home, you barbecue, boom, you're done. Like invite some you know, invite some friends over, drink some beer, kids play in the backyard, great holiday, low pressure. Easter, it's like Christmas where there's a ton of stuff to do, but like none of it's fun. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's just work. And you know, dying eggs sucks. And then you have to do the Easter egg hunt, which is fun for the kids, but sucks for you. It's just, you know, everything's early in the morning. You have to, it's much more Jesus y than uh, Christmas. And getting the kids to church is just, it's it's always a a longer sermon. It's like two hours. (laughs) And look, my kids, we're Catholic, you know, so we have a pretty strict hour. (laughs) <laughs> we got to go watch football. We're done. I, and just everything about it. It's just you're hauling them everywhere. You're doing stuff you don't want to do that's not really that fun. And then, honestly, the Easter Bunny does not have nearly. The uh, sophisticated um, mythology around it is Santa Claus. If your kid asks a question about Santa Claus, you can think to at least like five movies that will answer that question. And you guys would kind of be on the same page. Easter Bunny, you're totally fucked. There's just nothing. And so the Easter Bunny is so poorly sourced that it actually gets them to start questioning Santa Claus because they're just like, (laughs) well, this Easter Bunny thing is totally not real, right? And this thing sucks. (laughs) You're like, well, you know, it's the Easter bunny. Well, how does he know? It's like, well, he knows because we put the baskets out. Well, how does he know about the baskets? Well, the grass calls to him. I don't know. What <laughs> went out of me? Because, <laughs> like, Santa, they sent a letter. Like, yeah. they got they got reasons why Santa's showing up. So then, like, I'm worried that they're going to be like, wow, this Easter bunny thing sucks. They're lying to me about the Easter. Wait a minute. Are they lying to me about Santa? And if Easter bunny starts fucking up Christmas, that's how much Easter sucks. It's a good rant. Oh. Oh, hi. Welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan. I appreciate your tweet. I saw you tweet that and made me made me laugh. God, it just sucks. I, I hate Easter so much. Uh, I used to be indifferent towards it, but now I hate it. You're going to offend all of our religious listeners. No, and I'm saying this as someone like, hey, look, I went to church. I believe in Jesus. But oh God, it's such a everything about to beat down. I'm I'm only really saying the Easter bunny sucks. Uh, it's oh, it's just just awful.
1: Yeah, I I, one of my parenting friends, my parent friends had that same dilemma where she, like, put out fake grass, like, made a little trail to the basket to, you know, make it cutesy for her five-year-old or whatever, and yeah, yeah and she I don't said wanna... her daughter was like, what is this? like, I don't, where did this come from? She's like, the Easter Bunny, and she's
0: like, no, it didn't, it came from you. <laughs> she was like, yeah, and no. I, I don't want I don't want to put in that kind of work. And there's like no consistency from Easter bunny to Easter bunny. Like Santa's pretty consistent from house to house. So if they compare notes, Santa's basically doing the same thing. The Easter bunny is all over the place. So it's, and like, they was like, why did he go into our fridge and take our eggs and then hide them? That makes no (laughs) sense. (laughs) Oh God. If I could get out of dying eggs, just at least it was nice this year. So we do it on the, the, the deck in the backyard, but when yep. you do it inside, it's just a mess waiting to happen.
1: I, uh, I thought about dying eggs on my own as an adult.
0: No, just don't for do nostalgia's it. sake. No, it's, it's good for like 30 seconds, and then you're just like, God damn it. Now I have like, <laughs> well, I have kids, so I, I can't just do a carton. I have, you know, I'm doing 24 eggs. At about egg number five, I'm done. <laughs> and I've still got 19 to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Egg dying, uh, oh! And the wife, she bought like the really complex set that has like all the stickers and stuff to add. And I'm like, no, nope, that's not happening. <laughs> Don't yes. even show that to the kids. <laughs> We're dying. Yeah, we are getting in and out with as little mess as possible. So yeah, once everybody went home after church and we did Easter dinner, and once her parents left, we looked at each other and we just got rip roaring drunk. So. Sounds Happy weird. Easter! Happy Easter!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mine was a little less exciting, I guess. I just had brunch with some friends. Well, it was more like a lunch dinner, I guess, because it was
0: middle of the afternoon. And still, like you had brunch, like a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you and your never, avocado toast. Yeah, yeah. That's why I can't buy a house. <laughs> that that av- Those avocados have gotten expensive It's <laughs> true I That's been a, a revelation coming to
1: L.A. Because L.A. is a very late night kind of town Which means it's therefore not an yeah. early morning kind of town So you can okay. go somewhere popular that opens at like 9 And be the only person in there Because no one's getting up for that shit
0: Damn, I need to move to L.A. Yep, it's, it's the place to be, I guess. Uh, then again, I can get breakfast tacos and that is a, at a gas at a gas station.
1: <laughs> they, there's not a lot of breakfast taco selection here. Uh, other tacos, yes, it's a great taco town. But
0: yeah, I'm not a big fan of the California taco. Like I know they can try and trick their tacos up. I'll give them the burrito. You know how they can, they have all kinds of different kinds of burrito. But my tacos, I'm, I'm sticking with Texas. And what what are you differentiating? How are you differentiating them? Yeah, look, it's not health food, but also like the the classic street taco with yeah. uh, the little chunks chunks of steak, onion, cilantro, and nothing else. Maybe a little bit of lime that you know, squirt on top of it, but that's it. Yeah, stop I agree. tricking up tacos. Like everyone wants to make tacos complex.
1: No, I think the best places here just do it pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, that's uh a problem we have in societies we try and trick everything up no one's satisfied with like a cupcake just being a cupcake <laughs> it reminds me like our-
1: a little bit of that great uh parks and rec bit where they're doing a cook-off between yeah. uh rob Lowe's character and ron swanson and rob Lowe's <laughs> character is trying to make like the perfect vegan burger and show like how delicious it is and he finally gives him like the regular burger at the end, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's better. That's way better." And
0: he's like, "Oh yeah, that's so much better." I mean, <laughs> s- some things are just meant to be simple. Like that's why they're good. And if you, there are other things you can trick up, but leave like simple things like burgers and pizza alone. And tacos. Uh, I don't need. I don't need feta cheese on my tacos. <sighs> and burgers. Some things are made to be simple, like the LSU offense. That's exactly right, just like the LSU offense, which we haven't really gotten a look at yet because, you know, everything's behind closed door except for, like, the 10 minutes they sneak yeah. the, uh, the reporters in there, and this is where we remind everybody that everything said during spring practice is a lie. I know. Every, I, everything. <laughs> I like the uh,
1: – it's calmed down a bit now, but for, like, the first week or two of camp – Every single O quote about quarterbacks, people would just, like, blow up my feed or my texts and just be like, oh, my God, they're really not going to start Miles Brennan. This is so stupid. I'm like, it's like three practices into spring practice. (laughs) Spring fucking practice,
0: guys. Like, guys, this is – I mean, it's meaningful in the sense that they're getting stuff done. I mean, spring practice is actually very important to the team. Yes. But you're not going to know about it. No. And – and also, it's the boring stuff. Like, a foundation is really important to a house. I still don't want to watch people pour concrete.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's a good analogy. And there you go. I just thought of that. So. And, I don't look, know. I have, I, a, I, I have reservations about this offense because I think for sure we're about to try and pass it 50 times a game. And um, I don't know. Maybe doing all these historical pieces and seeing that, like— you know, all throughout history, LSU is basically a very conservative offensive school, and maybe it's just in our blood.
0: You know? Maybe it is. But what I think is really interesting about the historical pieces is when we do go outside of the box, we go whole hog. Yeah, like the, like there's these moments where it's like, okay, you know, all we're gonna do is be super conservative, and then boom, you have the 1961 Cotton Bowl, where we have throwing the ball 28 times, which back then was just an ungodly number like, like so and then like Les miles very conservative guy um, I'm not gonna spoil too much I just wrote about 2010 um, when he got creative he got creative yeah and you know you just did the the Tennessee game so it's it, you know that's when they unleashed Jamarcus and and so it's funny we have like we're known for these running power offenses maybe it is in the blood but when it's time to get frisky we get frisky
1: yeah there's been so many i'm pivoting a little bit but in writing this series there's so many times when i pick up a season i'm like i'm gonna write about that one today and then i you know start sort of forming my thoughts and looking at the games and then i shelve it because it's coming but i'm not ready yet to be like the best game this season was a loss
0: yeah i'm with you on that i, I very rarely go into it i I will say I'll go into it with an idea of what's going to be my selection, but I do like the research with a, a fairly open mind. And there's been times I've surprised myself of which game I've selected. Yeah. And, and look, sometimes I've chosen a game just because there were better stories around it. And it was, I don't want to say easier to write about, but I'll say more fun to write about. Yeah, I definitely am doing that every time. Uh, I mean, cuz there's but also I think that is what makes it a good game cuz that's the mythology that surrounds yeah. the game tends to get important. That's why I picked Tennessee. Honestly, I also had a
1: totally different mem- not a totally different memory of the game, but I didn't remember that we turned the ball over so damn much. <laughs> like,
0: I just I thought it was kind that. of a back and forth affair, you know? That's the other thing is, and I know we're kind of approaching the games slightly differently. I'm going with more like first I write about the season and then I write about the game and it's a very kind of straight game report. Yeah, and you kind of integrate it a little bit more. But it's just like when you're going through like the game log and you're going through the box score, even for recent games, there's just so much you forgot. like yeah. it's, it's almost like what it's you're really experiencing these games for the first time, and that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, there's a, so on the podcast Ain't Play Nobody, they were talking a lot about this new ESPN Plus deal. Um, and so when the press release, it says that they will have, like, the most unbelievable archive you've ever seen. And so Godfrey got all excited and was like, do you think this means they're actually going to give us, like, old college football games that they definitely have the tapes of? They just refuse to, like, store them somewhere
0: for us. There's just no I, way, but I, I would say first off, it would just be too big. I mean, think about how big the library was. But wouldn't it be cool if, it, like, if you had an interface, and I'll say it's like it was like Netflix, right? Yes. And you could go into each sport, and then you would go into the sport. You could click college football, and then there would be, you know, a hundred college football programs under it. Or you know, don't just limit it to the big, you know, big five conferences. You have seventy. Or so schools, and then you could click on the LSU link, and then under LSU would be like the, the the episodes within the season, basically, and they could have every game in the ESPN archive under the LSU tab. That'd exactly. be really that'd be really cool if they did that. I don't think they're going to, but mainly because the market is so limited for that, and it'd be really difficult to maintain. There'd be a lot of work for not a lot of payoff. The people who would love it would really love it. Like me, yes. you, Godfrey, you know, most of our listeners. But it's not going to appeal to the mainstream fan. And let's be honest, ESPN could give a shit about us.
1: Yeah. It was like it must be some sort of contractual. It must be contractually prohibitive to the schools to develop that. Because I can't see any reason why LSU wouldn't. Bundle all that stuff together: old gym meets, old baseball games, old basketball games, like from the Shaq era, Stanley Roberts, Pete Pistol Pete, anything you have, and charge you, you know, thirteen ninety nine a month, and every like
0: a ton of people would
1: pay that, and yeah, because to be
0: able to watch that stuff, and people want to watch it particularly right now because it's the off season. You know, you just finished up the you finished up the basketball tournament, Uh, baseball, okay, the – that's big for LSU but not mu- not much in the country. Um there's a reason that LSU baseball pops up first in almost everybody's ESPN browser and it's not because they know you that well. It's cuz more people click on LSU baseball games than anything else this time of year. So but other than that there's a, you know, 6-month lull between the end of basketball, and the beginning of football. This is when it's kind of fun to watch old games. And that is something that's been fun. It's it's cool to see how I don't want to say how uniforms have changed because I'm not a big uniform guy. As people have mentioned in the comments, hey, like it'd be nice if you updated it. And I agree, the people who are into uniforms are really into them, and I don't want to do them a disservice. So I'm just going to say I don't care. But that's not entirely true. What I care mm-hmm. about is that the game looks different. I like how it looks in each era. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. Like uh, when I was doing the um, the recent Alabama. Uh, doing 1975, you know, or LSU, Alabama. It's just kind of, or even in the early 80s when I was doing the, you know, Arn or stuff, um, you see Legion Field with the AstroTurf. And to me, that's just 80s SEC football in a <laughs> nutshell. You don't even need the teams to walk up there. But crappy AstroTurf and a half empty Legion Field is. SEC to the bone, 1980s SEC to the bone.
1: Yeah, I I I appreciate what you're saying. Like it's uh you can sort of draw the line by era based just purely on the aesthetic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean the game has it keeps changing on you. You know, it, it's not the same game. Uh, particularly, I mean, if you look at like the Billy Cannon stuff, it's clearly a different. It's a different sport. Yeah. Um. The 1970s, though, I think is a lot closer to – if you drop someone from, you know, 1959 into 1975, they'd feel pretty familiar with everything going on. Sure. I mean the substitution rules have gotten a little bit more liberal. But by and large, the strategies – 1970s football is still 1950s football. I mean there's – okay, there's Burt Jones for some of those years. But most – by and large, it's pretty close. 1980s football. I'm not saying if you drop someone from the 1980s and drop them to now, they'd be fairly comfortable with the game. Like it's not clearly things have changed, particularly with the spread. Yeah, but, yeah. But 1980s to even you know the early aughts, it's pretty pretty damn similar which is weird because the 70s and 80s are right next to it. if the 70s and 80s are right next to each other they look similar but they you know 1980s football doesn't look at all like Billy Cannon and 1970s football doesn't look at all like 2003 Yeah that's fair.
1: This so is it's an interesting
0: weird. like distinction. Yeah, it's weird how it, it's not a clear dividing line but you can see it when you start picking It's it's nice that we didn't just go straight through. Because I think if we had gone, you know, 1958 to today, we kind of would have missed the subtle changes as they happened. But when you kind of bounce era a lot, it gets jarring. And, you, and it also, when you go back to it, you're like, oh, this feels familiar. Like, because I've now done two Bill Springer games. And you're like, oh, the Springer era. I yeah. totally, yeah, I, I know this now. And it, it felt different the second time I did it because all of a sudden it felt it felt like going home also because it's my childhood. That's, you know, <laughs> sure. But more so when i mean, it, but it didn't feel like that the first time I wrote about it. Cause I had never yeah. encountered, I had never encountered those games as an adult. I had never really thought about eighties LSU football from adult eyes. Yeah. I've written, I
1: think I've done two Diesel seasons now and that was sort of the same experience. The first one I was like having to dig up and some stuff, just like re-remember that I like Oh yeah, he did do that Or that would happen yeah. Like the Chinese band it's, not the, I, it's just Of course I didn't forget that But it's just not something I think about all the time and I was like, oh right. yeah, that, that was the thing um, But I, the entry like, Dietzel Is kind of revolutionary And I don't feel like he's really
0: credited hey, He doesn't carry that reputation Yeah, I, I like that he played the three platoons yeah. I thought that was a really interesting thing. like I knew he had you know had because you think it's funny you know there's three platoons because you know the go team and the white team the white team yeah but you forget that the Chinese bandits were the third squad yeah. it wasn't the, yeah. it wasn't the nickname for the defense. it was a specific package. yep, yep. and it's really interesting to see how um, he and, and he saw it in the because um, I, I did the Billy Cannon game. You can see that uh, Vaught copied him, yeah, yeah. and he, he kept his third stringers out of the game until the fourth quarter and unleashed them, and it almost worked. They almost pulled the you know they almost came back and won that game because they had this fresh talent in the fourth quarter, and it's a it's a strategy he picked up from Dietzel, who was really one of the first guys to truly understand platoon football, which we totally take for granted. Exactly. exactly.
1: It's like no no one is ever stumping for him being like one of the like people that changed the game of football forever. But he
0: totally did he totally because did. because you look at it, you're like, I don't know, you like there were platoons back then. There was offense, defense, but not like I mean, like Billy Cannon was our leading rusher was the leading return man, and he made the critical stop on the, on fourth down yeah. you know, on the goal line stand. I mean, he's playing all three phases of the game, um, and that wouldn't happen today. I, I mean, as great as Leonard Fournette is, he's never going to make a defensive play. Or if someone does play a little bit of uh, defense, it's a big deal. We still talk about it. Like Michael Clayton played against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And yeah, that happened. dude for Iowa State this year that everyone loved for a little bit. Yeah, which is, aw- and, and it is awesome, but it's so rare now. It's a thing. Yeah. And, and um, Platoon football, while it had been invented prior to 1958, Dietzel was one of the guys who truly understood the value of it. It really set the precedent for what would become
1: the change in substitution rules. Yes, yeah. He forced it's that just, hand. It's crazy. It's just – I don't know. I feel like – I was trying to look to see quickly. The College Football Hall of Fame isn't really much of a thing. It's kind of a, a late blooming thing. Yeah, like they're still trying to figure that out. So maybe it'll be a, an eventual inductee
0: in some capacity. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, halls of fame are are weird in general. Um, I feel I, like, I like if
1: you change a game, like that's a permanent imprint. You know, like, I, 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 it's like I the think first it, coach. I don't even know who it is, but like the the coach that. I'm sure it was a handful of coaches that started putting
0: forward, like, forward passing, you know? Yeah, well, it's, you know, sort of like in college. Like, LeVar Edwards is <coughs> yes. one of the most influential coaches. And even if he didn't win a national title in 83, so he's kind of a bad – and coach forever, so he's kind of a bad example. But he's the first guy to really figure out, hey, we can pass all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and – And he has a whole, like, lineage of coaches. Yeah, but had he never won a game – well, I wouldn't say if he had never won a game. He, he needed to win because he needed people to believe that it worked. Yeah, his but it worked, yeah. But had he only coached for five years, he still he would still be LeVar Edwards. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, he had that kind of influence. And I think it's you know, I hate to say it, Urban Meyer is that kinda of, I mean, he's really I think the guru of the spe- the spread. I, I, I agree. He, guy-
1: he certainly he certainly brought it to Popularity, which is interesting because he was never an offensive
0: coordinator. No, that is weird. I mean, he didn't invent that. Strange. Yeah, that is because he's a. But it's really it's not really what he did at Florida. It's what he did at Utah, right? Definitely. And he he showed that if you play this style, you can beat Alabama. I mean, people still talk about that game. And you know they were totally outmatched. And you know from a personnel standpoint, they had no business winning that game. But you know he. He had an undefeated season capped off with a win over Alabama because he was so far – it wasn't that he was so far ahead. He was so far ahead in adopting the spread principles because, I mean, it's not like he came up with it, but he saw other people doing it. Hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that.
1: Yeah, and in a roundabout way, ended up being one of the dominoes that led to Saban changing his philosophies because he eventually had to succumb and just be like, well – I'm stupid to not do it. Basically, yeah. I was like, "This is how the game has changed," <laughs> which is instrumental in its own way. Right? Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I love. I don't love Urban Meyer, but I find things like that fascinating. These coaches that illustrate it, paradigm shifts in the game.
0: And honestly, I think the reason he was able to do it is because he was a defensive coach. Because if he had come up with an as an offensive coach. He would have been taught a philosophy, and he would have stuck to it. Wasn't he always? It's just a wide receiver coach. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think. Yeah, but I mean, you come into it radical. Like if you yeah. if you've never had a system, you can yeah, look at did. it with fresh
1: eyes. His early Fair. career was on defense, and then he switched to offense. So he did. He did both. Yeah. My, you're talking about Meyer, right?
0: Yeah. 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 It is interesting. So yeah, I, I think that's been that's been one of the most fun. Also, it's been fun just uh, um, it's been fun seeing how many times we beat old ruined Ole Miss. I, I think they've been a real clubhouse leader.
1: And uh, you, yeah, I think you've gotten the same feeling I have when you read back in the '60s, '70s, a little into the '80s. You can feel the how palpable that rivalry is. Yeah, because now it's like,
0: yeah, it's, it's yeah, no one really
1: cares anymore. I mean,
0: we care, but it is performative.
1: Yes, but back then it was like seriously. I I mean, you're like rocking the buses,
0: and doing crazy shit to each other. You can make a a case that there was a five year stretch that LSU cost Ole Miss the national title four times. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I mean that's, and I know they claim 19. What is it? 1960. They claim you know when we tied them, they didn't win that. They they, they didn't win that national title. They can claim that that's their. That's their 2003 FCC West Championship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget. They've never been to... Uh, never been to Atlanta. Never been to Atlanta. That's, uh, that's just... It's getting sad at this point. But then again, you know, so have a lot of teams out East. It's only in the West where everybody's been. Well, now except for A&M as well. Oh, A&M. Oh A and yeah, I know. There, yeah.
1: I mean, I guess we got we got off track talking about spring football. I don't know that there's much to say about it, but I just was. Maybe I'm in a uh, pissy mood this week or something. But the other, I, just this week, I've been like, this team's not going to be very good, are they? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's hard to see a path for this team to be really good.
0: I I'm like. The problem is, is that you have a new offensive coordinator who's coming in and he's replacing almost all of the talent on yes. offense. Yes, it's um, a bad, bad coming. We're bringing, we're bringing in a new quarterback. Uh, we're losing our top two running backs. Um, we're losing our top two wide receivers. Um, a handful of offensive linemen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, he's losing a ton. There's almost nothing coming back. Now – if you're putting in a new system, that's good news <laughs> because there's not that's a whole true. lot of it You don't inherently. have things to unlearn. And look, I do think the defense looks like it's going to be really good. There's a – as much as the offense has been gutted, the defense has a lot of guys coming back. That's true. So there's that, but That should yeah, prevent
1: – I had in my head like we could see a Jarrett Lee-esque rookie season for Miles Brennan.
0: Because I feel like they're going to ask him to throw a ton. I think the difference is is that Jared Lee was never expected to play. I mean, they had yeah. to go like three deep on the three deep on the depth chart before they got to him. That's true. So, uh, and I think Miles Brennan comes in ready to play. He had a year on the bench. He's you know sat, but also I think another difference is quarterbacks just come in expecting to play a lot earlier. That is true. Like even against ten years ago. I mean, I'm, kind the, of, I'm kind of quietly rooting for McMillan to get
1: the job, even though you, everyone knows I've been like the biggest Miles Brennan Homer. I just think
0: that'd be a great story. I would love if McMillan got it. Um, I'm a huge Justin McMillan fan. Um, I do think he's just on the team to one day be a coach.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to propose that if McMillan is given the job, I think that might be the coaches saying, yeah, we're not going to be very good. I agree. And why, why, why waste a, like Miles Brennan getting hammered for that?
0: You know, I I really think this this team will come down to how good are the wide receivers, and honestly, we we just don't know. Yeah. Um, Giles has a ton of hype. Yeah, he and he really did, does. And he did perform at Texas Tech, so it's not completely out of the realm. Um, if Sullivan could take that one step up, because I think Sullivan has shown us something.
1: Yeah, it's weird that um, – because like Derek Dillon was pretty much the number three last year. And I haven't heard yeah. about him at all.
0: And, and actually well, that's something that makes me feel good because you like to see guys who have been meh getting passed up on the depth chart. Yeah. If that makes any yeah. sense. Like we're not trying to hype him up. I mean one of the reasons last year I was skeptical of DJ Chark is – I mean the guy had like 500 yards receiving and we're all like, oh, you don't understand. DJ Chark has been awesome. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And it actually turned out to be a good thing that DJ Chark really was everything that we thought he was going to be or that he was hyped to be. But I much prefer that the guy who was kind of – I mean he's a junior. And if you haven't shown out in your first two years, you're probably not going to – I mean you can improve, but you're probably not going to become a superstar. Um, The chance of you developing to a first-round talent like Chark did are pretty slim. So I actually like that we're hyping up McMath and Jefferson instead. Yeah, it's, uh,
1: Jefferson is a weird one, to me. But, I mean, by all means, I hope he kicks all of the asses. Like I'm rooting for him. It just, it's just surprising to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also like the fact that we're we're assuming Giles is going to be the number one, and that does help that you have a number one wide receiver. Yeah, a lot of praise thrown his way. It's interesting, <laughs> but yeah, you you really need him. But yeah, you know, the running backs are what concern me. Um, I know it'll be more of a running back uh, committee, and they have been talking up um, Edwards-Hilaire. So your boy's getting, you know, I do. But I haven't, heard much, I haven't heard much about Nick Brosette. You no, know, there hasn't really been much.
1: Like I saw in one of the scrimmages, he was like the lead, you know, taking the most carries, but he had like an awful yard per carry. But then they were like, well, it's because he carried it at the goal line like 19 times or something. It's
0: like, OK. Yeah, well, yeah. we just don't – once again, everything they say is a lie. So yeah. I, I'm not going to worry about what they're talking about to the media. Yeah, seriously.
1: Um, also, don't listen to anything the players say because I guarantee if you went back like last spring – They'd be like, "Yeah, Danny's like so good. He's an amazing quarterback." And then if you went back to spring four, that they'd be like, "Brandon Harris is like so improved. He looks
0: incredible." Yeah, that's exactly like, that. every, I, it's I,
1: always the sound bits of them talking about how great their
0: teammates look, which I I don't blame them. But yeah, that's what you're supposed to say you're like, "Wow, he's really improved. He's doing these things." And yeah, I mean they're they're supporting each other, but I don't put a lot of stock into it. Yeah, uh, just recognize what it is. It's, that's all we're saying. And um, but yeah, it's. It, it, we go into this next year just not knowing anything about the team. This is actually one of the first times that I'm excited to watch the spring game, which I think is normally just an excuse to have a party. Yeah, We're, no. we're not – LSU is not big in the spring game like some of the other programs are. We don't really pack the house for it. And it's mm-hmm. more of just – it's more of the methadone to get you back to your heroin addiction of football. <laughs> You know, it's nice. It's football. It's your team, but you don't really care. That's kind of my attitude towards the spring game. This is one of the first times I think I'm kind of interested, just because I want to see what the offense looks like. Yeah, it should be fascinating. Uh, Yeah, but it's more global that I'm looking at than like looking at individuals, which I think is kind of a waste of time.
1: So you want to see the the philosophies being instituted, right? Implemented exactly.
0: Yeah, I want to see, like, hey, they're in a bunch of four-wide receiver sets. That looks pretty cool. You know? It's – I yeah. Uh, I, for better or worse, I feel like that's what they're going to do. Hey, remember when we used to run trips all the time? You know, we could do that again. That's true. You're allowed to have three-wide receivers. It's not against the rules. Jimbo loved that shit. He did.
1: Jimbo loved the trips. Probably still does because Jimbo Fisher has not changed.
0: No, that's true. Which is and, cool. yeah. So I, I mean, I, I'm. Look, we go into next year like we're part of the pack, basically. Well, you know, Bama is the overwhelming favorite. Um, Auburn is going to be the pick to will, will be the sneaky choice to upset them because they bring back their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then there will be yeah. And then there'll be a morass of teams in the you know in the pack, and that's us. And then behind everybody will be Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a tough. Like, I like Chad Morris a lot, but that's a tough I, I too transition. He, I, I think Chad Morris will build Arkansas into something really good, but not this year. They they, they just there were some roster issues that got away from them. Yeah. And it's going, to take, it's going to take a year or two of recruiting to become competitive again. Yeah, it really is. But I really like Chad Morris. I think, I, I think he will do a great job at Arkansas. I really do.
1: You know what also might be tempering my excitement is that I'm in the midst of writing all these better-know-freshmen, which we have yeah. just a gross amount of freshmen on campus for the spring which is awesome uh but it just reminded me that like i'm not that thrilled with this recruiting class so i you know i feel yeah. like that was sort of the juice we needed to like make this season pop and now it's sort of like like i had all but forgotten that we lost out on uh the big corner certain you know i yeah it just slipped my mind it's like whatever that sucked and now i'm like shit that was bad yeah.
0: Man, I'm I'm still mad about not getting big running backs the last two years. I mean, we got guys. And, yeah. And look, and, and they're not terrible. I don't want to say that like Trey Provens is like some terrible player. He's not. He, you know he's he's well touted. But these last two years was a year that we should have gotten you know a Cam Acres t- you know type recruit, and we couldn't bring them in. Yep. Uh, now they're going for broke in this class. So yeah, yeah, and. Now it's an issue. Like you could have brought him in before it was where it was like you're bringing in Darius Geis behind Leonard Fournette. But you know what's interesting? Like I there's no one. I'm so interested in recruiting,
1: but part of what I like is sort of trying to guess the strategy and their thought process and what they're doing. And it was always something frustrating about Miles because it just always felt like the quarterback recruiting was mishandled. It was always like we're going for a star. And then it busted, or we got the star, and the star wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be, and then we didn't have any other backup options. And I was like, can we just hit, like, solid doubles on these guys, a bunch, and it'll turn out okay? Yeah. And it seems like... I don't think this staff... is I think they're being a little more diligent with QBs. We'll see what happens. They didn't get one last class. Um, but... It's for the sake of, like, sacrificing other positions, like running back position, you know? Like, they, they've not done a good job of identifying those guys and getting them. Yeah. And, like, under Miles, that never would have happened. Like, he just would not have let the running back position slip. No, I agree with that. Maybe one class, but, you know, the next class he would have had, like, two five-star guys.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's what gets me is we had two straight, underwhelming running back classes. And, and also letting a guy like Sertain leave – it just that's a that's that basically says where recruits view LSU as a program now. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean he that
1: was and says like he wants to win a championship.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean that was a that was a gut punch because you, you you were able to trade in on even 2011 2012 for a while, but I mean these kids now I mean they were they were in elementary school when that happened. Yep, I mean, I mean, the, the knowledge base of a of a high schooler isn't that long. No, it's not, and, and you know, you can't really blame them for that. You know, they're they've only been aware for a little bit. So, and I think this was like the first time that program reputation really started to go against LSU because even like two or three years ago, there was still. The recruits were coming out when they were first getting recruited, you know, when they were, you know, freshmen, sophomores, you know, first made contact with LSU. They still had knowledge of them as a, you know, as a national title contender. Yep. So that first impression is still in their mind. So even if the team went nine and four that season, they were still thinking, OK, LSU can still compete for titles.
1: Yeah, they're just missing
0: a couple pieces. Yeah, and I can be that piece. And I think now this class is the was the beginning of no. This team is a level below.
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. And that's coming, you know, that's building into this 2019 class, which is just supposed to be epic. You know, it's supposed to be one of the best classes ever. So,
0: hey, look, you know, Orzran got hired for his ability to recruit. So go sign guys. That's really, yeah, the proof's in the pudding, no, yeah. yeah, that's and I mean, look, he, he bought himself some time with a good last season. I, I think he did a really good job last year. Um, and I, I you know, I've said this a lot, last year really could have gotten out of control. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, after the Mississippi State game, things could have bottomed out pretty badly, and he really rallied this team. In an admirable way, he he really did a good job. Um, that was a good coaching job. Um, I don't want to say he got every last bit out of this team, but he definitely he stopped a ship that could have. This team easily could have given up. There are many programs in that same situation who have just thrown in the towel on the season. Hell, we, we saw it at Florida State last year. Yep, I mean, and that's an elite program. I mean, Florida State was in the national championship just a few years ago. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and they threw in the towel on their season. They were in the orange bowl the year before last year. Yeah. I, I mean, they just gave up. Um, and it's really a testament to, to Orgeron that they didn't, he, he was able to rally this team. They showed some pride. I, I, that is a tough thing to do when, to win people back. Yeah. Um, I think what's been disappointing is that that you know they had all this, and then at, you know after the the season's over, the, you know they re-sign Aranda, they have all this momentum, and then since then it's just kind of fizzled. They haven't built on this rock that that he's created, and he really needs to make that next step.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like they. He needs to get the recruits,
0: but he, to get them, he needs to win. And I don't, just don't think we're going to win in that way this year. And the you know, and the thing is, he got big wins. I mean, you know, the Florida game was a big win. The Auburn game was huge. Yep. And it and held so up. He sh- you know, like
1: if Auburn had crumbled after that game,
0: he yeah, could have looked been yeah, like, like, that wasn't a good win, anyways. You know. Yeah, exactly. But it was a good win. I mean, it should have held. You know, there should have been more momentum into the into, into signing day. Yep, and also was it like I just don't think this staff knew, and I think this goes for a lot of staffs. No one really knew how to handle signing day this year because yeah. it wasn't signing, signing day has moved. It's not early signing day. That's signing day, and then you can pick up some leftovers on what used to be signing day. Yeah, I think I yeah. think you're right. And I, I mean, I think a lot of programs, I think Alabama had problems with it. They didn't have a number one class this year. I mean, they've been turning in number one classes like every year and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they kind of didn't know what they were doing. I, I think, you know, A&N has been churning out great classes and I know they had a coaching change, but they kind of stumbled in recruiting. I, I think a lot of programs really just kind of, there was a lot of, what are we doing? And, Cause everything changed and
1: well, now you're starting to see even more of the ripples because suddenly these coaches, I'm sure, are pushing for it, and some of the recruits probably want it. They're taking official visits in the spring. Yeah, and it, I'm sure the coaches are like, "Fuck it, we're busy enough in the season than to be dealing with that shit." Like, yeah. come right yeah. now when it's we got downtime. <laughs> you know, we can blow it out for you, and the only thing you lose is you don't get to
0: come to a game. You know. Yeah, but you know this the season the recruiting schedule has totally changed. And I think the programs that recognize that were the ones that did better. Yeah. That, that absolutely treated it as the early signing day was signing day. And I think, I mean, I think within like five or 10 years, late signing day might even just go away. Like the original. All, I think what this legislation did was just move signing day.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, no one ever really paid attention to the fact that you didn't actually have to sign on signing day. It just was like the the first day that you could sign. Yeah, Which is, you know, essentially if you just say the date in December is now the first day and not – it's a five-day period and then we're going to stop it and start it again.
0: Which seems just weird, right? It is is weird. So – I just don't think that's a tenable system. Uh, And this was the first year, and there was still some residual, hey, that's signing day. That's going to start becoming less and less, particularly with the recruits. I I think we're going to be looking at, you know, December is when everybody has to be in the barn, and the coaching staffs that adjust to the new reality will be the best new recruiters. It
1: makes sense. I wonder if it gives better incentive to recruits to sort of drive towards an early graduation too yeah i'm sure it does because i'm sure some of these programs are like well if you can't sign early we can't take you so there could be some like ripples out of this too that are interesting
0: yeah we yeah i want to get you on campus in the spring i you know i want you to yeah, we need you in the program
1: learning the system because we need you to play in the fall and we don't want have to teach you in a month.
0: Yeah, Whatever. and you know, and, hey, do you want to play as a freshman? This is what you, want, you know, this is what you have to do. Yep. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be it's one of those rules that I think is going to be the the rule of unintended consequences. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, it was yeah, something that was designed it was designed to help uh, stu- student athletes and i think at the end of the day it's just going to make the it's going to force them to make their decision earlier <laughs> <laughs> i mean the power eventually always goes back to the schools naturally so
1: yeah maybe i'm just in a spring lull. i just for some reason it's like smacking me that i'm just not too excited about where the programs at right now
0: well i'm kind of in a holding pattern we'll see how next season goes is kind of my I just don't know, it, it, and it is exciting to see. Hey, what's going to be the new offense? Um, <laughs> yeah. And it will be a new offense. But also, look, I got you know, I get gymnastics starting this weekend. Regionals. Get on board, gym school. It is
1: LSU might be the best team in the country. No, Oklahoma is clearly the best team in the country. So, but we're probably well. The team all the best I follow our LSU gym fans, so of course we're the best team in the country.
0: Yeah, no. Oklahoma's better But If anyone has a shot To upset Oklahoma It's LSU So And you know We're not going to win The title this weekend Because it's Just regionals But you got to win regionals In order to make it to nationals and you have to win The first day of nationals To make the super six So well, One step at a time I'm telling you that We're going to win it all Because we're the best team In the country Well I would like to see that I would r- really like this team To win it all But also what's good about it is I mean, this team will lose ha- Hambrick and Macadeg, who's more of a beam specialist. But most of this team comes back next year, so. I was about to start making up names. To yeah, no, don't make up names. Don't do that. To uh, show you know. how much I know about
1: LSU Jump. Yeah. but I actually knew Hambrick, so
0: yeah. So and, and I
1: think it's, you can in make in fairness it's, it's, it's not a it's not a female thing too. Like I know one player on the baseball team, so
0: yeah, see that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. You, you don't follow baseball either, so. <laughs>
1: I, I just didn't want yeah. our listeners to think I'm a sexist.
0: Yeah. So it is exciting for the you know for the gym season we are we're into it. It is now officially NCAA time. Okay, where are, the, where are the regionals this year? We will be competing in Raleigh at NC State. Okay. And I will have a I will have a full preview up on the site on Friday. And it starts Saturday. It'll just be one day, Saturday. Okay. Three o'clock central. Uh, yeah, three o'clock central. Okay. I will be in Oklahoma. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if it'll be behind the ESPN Plus play- paywall. Will they have it constructed by then? I don't. I'm oh. kind of in, up in the air about that.
1: That's a good question.
0: So it's always been on ESPN. You know, i uh, watch ESPN app, but I don't know if the the app is going to exist this weekend or whether they implement ESPN Plus next week. So
1: I'm going to yeah, have my know. five
0: bucks ready. I might have to pay. It's true. I don't know when that goes into effect. I, I honestly don't. Like the ESPN Plus stuff is. I thought I heard a date, but I can't even remember. Yeah, I thought they said a week. So I was thinking, hey, maybe it'll be this weekend, but I just don't know. And April 12th. Oh, okay. So, so you got time? And I, I don't know. I'm worried about ESPN Plus. I was hoping Disney would make an app with all of their stuff that they own on one app. It'd be great, but it does not look like they're going to go in that direction. I think they will. I think they're just not there yet. I mean, because if you think about it, they own ESPN. Yes. You know, they they have all the Disney stuff. They own ABC. Yes. Um. So they have all that. They also own um MLB TV and NHL TV. They own those two apps. Yep. And then like their movie catalog, not only do they just have, you know, all your Disney classics, but they also I know they don't own Miramax Studios anymore, but I think they still own the back catalog. But if nothing else, they have all the touchstone movies. I think, you know, they would since they own Marvel Studios, so they'd have all the Marvel yep. stuff. I was gonna say I think Marvel. They could, But I think they could even have a really robust older app, you know, movies from, like, the 80s and the 90s with, you know, Touchstone and Miramax. It's true. So it could be, like, the greatest app ever, but... I think they'll get there. I I hope so. It's going to take them a little time to piece it all together. Yeah, I don't like paying for, you know, a lot of little apps, so...
1: It is interesting in what they'll do from a branding perspective, because those are very distinct brands all under the Disney umbrella, but...
0: yeah. Yeah, Do like they, I think they'll always be like a little kid app. Like here's Disney, you know. Yeah. But also, like some of the stuff they still just kind of have for free. Like you know, the Disney Junior app is if I have you know Disney on my TV from my you know cable TV, I can get the Disney Junior app, and okay, you know that's great for my kids. I'm you know I'm kind of a Disney Junior veteran at this point. Um, but like if I want to watch like Cinderella. I can't do that right now It's not It isn't anywhere Yeah Or you know And I'd like to be able To watch some Because the thing is Disney's always been really Particular about their Back catalog They have the whole Vault thing And I just don't know If that model Is tenable In today's Society Like we don't Work that way anymore (coughs) Ooh Yeah it'll be interesting To see what they do
1: They uh they're, they're pivoting for World Takeover.
0: They are. They're totally pivoting for World Takeover, and they're starting with sports. And ESPN Plus, you're going to have to – you're going to complain about it, but you're going to pay five bucks a month. Yeah. The, because if you're an LSU fan, baseball is pretty much – they got you. Yep. And if I can pay five bucks to have every LSU baseball game, I'm going to do it. I'm not – I'm not going to lie. I make enough money that five bucks a month to watch LSU baseball. Hell, I used to pay ten bucks a month to LSU directly for that. Yeah, so, I remember. And the, and the feed was much crappier. So, five bucks to me is a bargain.
1: Yeah, and they're using all the BAM tech technology. So, it should actually be a quality streaming
0: experience now. Yeah, like BAM great. I love the NHL yeah, and M- MLB apps, they're, they're outstanding. So. Well yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm sure there'll be growing pains and I'm sure people will complain every bit of the way, but They always I, do. Yeah, that's what happens. Um But if I, I can get a reliable feed to watch college sports, I'm probably gonna pay for it. Like <laughs> I am I, I am the target market.
1: There you go. They create a perfect service for you. They did. God damn them. <laughs> Do you want to answer questions?
0: Yeah, I'll answer some questions.
1: We only have a couple, but they're kind of long-ish. Okay. Mostly because Vinny. Vinny likes really long questions.
0: I, I'm, Vinny is a man after my own art.
1: Uh, I need to meet Vinny because he lives like up the road. And yeah. We saw not connected, but we will. All right, so his first question was, which Power 5 conference wins a round-robin softball tournament? where teams are comprised of the football coaches. Who's the tourney MVP? You can't, he says you can't say Harbaugh because
0: we know well, he be, would actually train for this. He would, but I'm going to have to say the Big Ten would win because they have young athletic coaches, and they also have two former like All-Americans. They have Scott Frost and Pat Fitzgerald. True. Over the ACC? ACC, you got uh,
1: Fedora's in good shape.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking – these guys were – Fitzgerald was like – athletes. Yeah, like Scott Frost almost won the Heisman. I mean we're talking – there's a difference between Fedora's in good shape (laughs) and Pat Fitzgerald could kill me
1: like today. And they're still in good shape. Like Harbaugh was a good athlete,
0: but he's kind of frumpy now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean Harbaugh's going to get pretty far as a try-hard. True. Well, you know he's gonna. You know he's gonna be the most intense guy out there. But Pat Fitzgerald's gonna win the MVP. He's gonna hit a home run on every at bat. He's gonna be their shortstop unless Hardball pushes him off to another position. <laughs> Urban Myers will be that
1: dude that like cheats in every way. Yeah, but, no, like be the- just barely bends the rules. You
0: know, not like abject cheating. Yeah, he'll be the third baseman grabbing your waistline as yeah. you run past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. That's probably a good call. I'm trying to think of any other conference Yeah, SEC the coaches are too old. Um yeah. Pac twelve, like you know, there's not a whole lot of guys. I mean Shaw I'm sure could, you know, screw you up a little bit, but Peterson is yeah, Peterson's a college football player, right? Yeah, but again, we're talking unless you have a, a, a trio of where Harbaugh is the weakest of the three, as good as Harbaugh Fitzgerald Frost, think but, you got Cristobal, yeah. Um, the guy from Maryland. They got Durkin. Or Durkin. Yeah, I mean, once again, not college athletes, but still really, you know, athletic-looking guys. Willie Taggart, he's in pretty good shape, right? Yeah, Willie Willie Taggart, I'm sure can. and also what, row the boat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably is the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten's—they're just loaded right now. That <clears throat> that'd be a softball team you don't want to mess with.
1: Huh. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll agree with you on this. Uh, Okay, and then he follows up. I think this is an impossible question. Okay. He he asks us to rank barbecue sides, and he gives a list. Ooh, okay. So he goes – I don't think he's listing these in his order of preference. He's just listing them. Okay. Um, uh, Coleslaw, baked beans, mac and cheese, potato salad, macaroni salad – mashed potatoes
0: and corn on the cob <laughs> okay let's just throw out a macaroni salad first all right that's Agreed. that's definitely last i mean that's if trash. you can have mac and cheese why would you get macaroni salad that's macaroni that's, salad is like potluck food that's not I mean, that's garbage yeah, um, I, I honestly think beans are the champ uh, it's just the classic side dish i agree um Beans go number one. Um, barbecue, first, like really well done barbecue baked beans, are incredible. It, it, it's it's so perfect. And you kind of mix it in there. You take yeah. the, the meat and you oh it's oh it's, it's awesome. Um, I would admit that I am not a fan of potato salad, but I do think it's number two uh, because potato salad is another one of those classic. If if I didn't tell them what my sides are, they're gonna put potato salad on my tray. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to say since this isn't just for me but for everybody, I think potato salad is a is a strong, you know, number two just because it's it's what you're supposed to have with barbecue. Um, I'm a huge fan of corn on the cob because you're already eating with your hands probably. Yep, makes sense. And see, you know, if you're eating ribs, you can just go straight to the corn. corn that the though, other, that's the other thing is like which barbecue meat because I feel like that adjusts your size too. I, I totally agree with that because if I'm having like pulled pork, I probably don't want the corn on the cob. It's, it's, yeah. This is a rib and brisket uh, and I'm doing this as a, you know, bias towards Texas barbecue. But also the problem with corn on the cob and as much as I do love corn on the cob, the entire time you're eating it, you're going, man, this would be better if I, I was at a crawfish boil and I'd have like the really spicy so uh, um, um, macaroni then puts me at. so I think actually let's put macaroni ahead of corn you know macaroni is another good you know just solid your kids will love it so it keeps them away from your meat That's true you know macaroni is a big player because as much as I would like corn on the cob with my ribs the problem is it's not as dynamic as macaroni which is you know really one of nature's most perfect side dishes. It's true. I mean, it's noodles and cheese. Come on, people. Um, so after Corn on the cob, then I think I'll just have just standard mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. They're like one of my favorite things on earth. Um, but they're just kind of there. Let's be honest. I don't, I don't you know. think of those as barbecue food either.
1: Like, uh, yeah, that's I love enough, mashed I don't potatoes think that. too, but it's not really barbecue but, side to me. I,
0: I agree with that. I, I've, I've never gone to a place that has mashed potatoes. I would probably get them if they were there, but I'd feel weird about it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, and then macaroni salad bring up the rear. Did I forget any? I, you I forgot tried. coleslaw. Oh, oh I, I hate coleslaw. Coleslaw's trash. We I figured right that's there. why you forgot it. Yeah, uh, but I'll put that right ahead of uh, macaroni salad. That's how outraged I am that there's macaroni and cheese and macaroni <laughs> salad on this list. Come on, people. I would rank
1: vinegar coleslaw pretty highly, and mayo mayonnaise coleslaw at the bottom, probably <laughs> near the bottom, tied with macaroni salad.
0: The coleslaw, I will admit, is at least supposed to be on your tray. Yes. Like, I'm not a fan of it, but if someone puts coleslaw on your without asking, that seems like a standard thing to be on there. It's absolutely a classic barbecue offering. Yeah, and particularly if you're in North Carolina, which yeah, is I inferior. I was say that, you,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, all right.
0: Uh, Podcast asked uh, AJ Styles or Nakamura, which I think is a question for you, clearly. Yeah, that's a wrestling question. <laughs> As we know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I'm going to say since I don't know who either of them are, given the WWE's really unfortunate history with just very racist characters, I'm going to guess uh, that Nakamura is going to probably be mildly offensive. And I'm going to go with AJ Styles, <laughs> knowing nothing about either of them.
1: <laughs> uh, that's great. He's, he's really not offensive. They're, they're actually just like letting him be an authentic person, I guess.
0: I'm kind of shocked about that. that He's not playing a character. That's it. I'm not, they're no longer like massively offensive. I was thinking there'd still be shades of just like unintentionally offensive things. So maybe podcat will send you something, but Nakamura,
1: basically his character is some sort of Michael Jackson, Freddie Mercury, eccentric pop star blend. Like he loves those people in real life. He's fascinated by those people. So he's sort of, in Japan was this like n- nobody, no character wrestler for a long time. And then he finally just started doing these very odd mannerisms and movements and dances and, uh, he was sort of channeling
0: those guys. All right. Okay. That's, I, I was a big fan of Coco beware back in the day. So it seems one. kind of in the Good same, it seems, uh, in the same, same vein. I like it. If you're going to be a wrestler, you should be ostentatious. I think it's kind of the rules.
1: I was trying to think if anyone was going into the Hall of Fame this year that you would like from your era of guys that you would have like known and like appreciated, but
0: I don't think there are. No, I, they're all dead at this point. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's actually the last question. Man, and we, we, this is because we, we haven't potted in so long. People forgot to. We really haven't. Um, this is. We are the boy who cried wolf on this one because we've said like three times, "Hey, we're going to do it." And it's true. You know.
1: It's most. It's mostly, if not entirely, my fault. Um, I started a new job, and I just don't. My time is gone, and I'm, I'm still adjusting
0: to that. So, no, nah, it's all right. One day you'll learn time management. Now, <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, man. <sighs> <sighs> I'm like the less miles of after work time management, yeah. and, and also it's the spring. There's there's just not a lot happening. I mean, there is when the other sports. I mean, basketball just wrapped up a promising stepping stone to next year. But still, it's at the end of the day, this is a team that lost in the second round of the NIT. I miss the fact that we didn't get to pod about Will Wade going ape shit on that reporter. Oh, absolutely is, outstanding! This absolutely. Is hilarious just great. And it, what's good about that is that he taps into something that LSU fans have been feeling. Like it's one thing when the coach goes on a rant, but you need to make it feel like he had it's he's doing it cuz he has your back. Yeah, and not cuz he's doing it just because he's a thin-skinned little <laughs> little yeah, jerk being defensive about everything. Yeah, this wasn't him being defensive. This was him listening to 3 days of Lafayette Talking, you know, yapping their mouths, and LSU fans getting increasingly irritated by it, and then him unloading on behalf of all LSU fans. <laughs> it was also just such a
1: deeply thorough takedown. It wasn't like a random outburst where he's
0: like, "That guy's an asshole," you know. Like, oh no, no, no. he just like he was like went into stats. You Not know, like yeah. he researched. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm like uh, anybody who has a rant with footnotes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you look at Article 7 of Chapter 14. Yeah, I mean, like, he was just amazing. So, yeah, and I think people have kind of latched onto him. He's really, you know, brought something on the fan base, fan base that hasn't been here since Dale Brown. I mean, and John Brady went to a Final Four, but even then, he never felt like it was one of us, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. And, and Will Wade. Look, the guy has definitely has a reputation for program hopping, but then again, so does everybody on that level. I mean, yeah. that's how you get a job. I mean, it's I can't hold it against the guy. That's how you move up the ladder. Um, but he definitely feels like a guy who is tapped in, and he feels like he's trying to put down roots. Um, I say that two years from now he bolts to the NBA, but let's <laughs> let's yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I don't know what.
1: <sighs> I don't know what the next job uh, – clearly there are better basketball jobs, even in college. I'm, I'm just going to yeah, pretend like yeah. the NBA is not even on the table. Um, I don't know.
0: Well, you know, you, know, you look at guys that
1: – What uh, I was opens talking, up for him to go? Like I, I don't think – like Duke is too stuffy, right? Like he wouldn't go to yeah.
0: Duke. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Duke would take him. He's too right. – Yeah, he doesn't fit their culture. But if you're looking at like the SEC, let's say – let's just limit it to the SEC right now. Okay, Florida is clearly a better program. Yep. Uh, Kentucky is Kentucky. Yes. So, those are two massive step up. But I don't think either of those programs are looking at that level. And then if you look at the rest of the SEC, I mean, those programs have been more successful than L.C. recently because you know who hasn't been. None nice. of them feel like this. None of them feel like a massive step up. It's not like you know if Auburn loses their coach. Suddenly, you know, Will Wade is going to be like, "Oh, well, I'm going to go over there because my yeah. chances are so much better." They're, what a great job! Once you're at a made, you know, a, a power five school, there's not a whole lot of jobs that are steps up. I, I mean, there are the clearly obvious ones, like you know, Florida and Kentucky are clearly better jobs. Yeah, but well, every conference has about two or three of those gigs, so you you know, multiply that by six. We're you know, we're at about twenty. Okay, there's 20 jobs out there. Then you need them to come open, and they have to want you. He's a Clemson alum. Yeah, so you know, but Clemson ACC, has a
1: pretty strong program right now, so I don't really see them moving on from their coach.
0: Yeah, I mean, North Carolina, Roy Williams is going to retire pretty soon. You know, maybe Carolina, if he, I, we're talking, the, we're now extrapolating that Will Wade has had a really successful two or three year run. Yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's a program that could give him a call. Because I agree, I, I don't think Duke would call them. I think they're much too stuffy. Yeah, he.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting. I don't know. I mean, I guess if one of the other, the other like sneaky part of basketball is like Wake or NC State, like all those tobacco yeah. road kind of schools. Yeah,
0: and look, all this up on prestige, the ACS. If you grow up in ACC country, that means something. I mean, I grew up in Maryland, and I know Wake Forest hasn't won anything in forever. It's still to me, it's still Wake Forest. Like if Wake Forest came calling, and you know I'm Will Wade, I would listen. Like you know, if I have that those ACC roots, because there's something about Tobacco Road. Uh, It's hard to. It's sort of like SEC football. ACC basketball is that kind of thing. Yep. So, I mean, it just holds a special place in anyone's heart who grew up in that area in a way that ACC football doesn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's encouraging that – I think it was an encouraging season. It sucks – not that we
0: lost the NIT, but that we got destroyed to go out. Like, you kind of wish that would have been a close game. Yeah, it was just the team ran out of gasp, and they won the game they had to win. Yeah. So, you know, and – yeah, other than that, we're you know we're we're now into stick and ball season. Um, they're in the top twenty right now, but there's not a whole lot to report. It's it's early in the year, like you know they're still playing with lineups. So we're definitely at gym school. Like that, that's that's the big news right now, and then spring practice, which is really the art of trying to make news out of nothing. I feel bad for the beat journalists because they they have to report this stuff. I like that Ross just up
1: and went to the fucking Masters.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was great. that was beautiful. Good for him. <laughs> just like see ya, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, good for him. But I mean this is a hard, this is a hard gig. You know, for the beat reporters right now, they're just getting parcelled out of information, they know it's bullshit. Yeah. And they just got to report all of it cuz they got you know, they've column inches to fill. By the and way, People want to read it? Speaking of, just to
1: commend those guys, like Ross won an award recently, and so did Luke Johnson, who does a lot of baseball coverage. And those guys are really excellent at their jobs, and we're fortunate to have them.
0: Yeah, we are really lucky with the level of coverage we have. And then, I mean, I know to even, you know, toot our own sights horn, but like Seth, who, you know, breaks down film, is really starting to get national he is. Recognition for what he does and that's really cool he does a great job and I hope he goes on and is one day on ESPN breaking down film for them I, I will claim that I discovered him forever yeah I, I mean but yeah like but also like our beat reporters we, we really do have good a good local media it, it's definitely in better shape than it was when I was in school
1: yeah yeah <sighs> I agree. I think we're out.
0: <laughs> I ran out of things to say. All right. Well, then he ran out of things to say, so we'll end it there. <laughs> I was trying to think of something interesting to say. I got nothing. I no, mean, nah, I got s- nothing. See, and that's the kind of value add that we have here. <laughs> like we said, some of the best in the business right here. <laughs>
1: some of the best in the business, not us. <laughs> <laughs>